What's going on guys? Welcome to this week's episode of Total Pod Mode number 74. My name is James, also known as Mr. Bames, and I'm joined as always by Will, also known as Hudafunk. What's cracking guys? James, good to be back for another week. Always a pleasure my friend. Coming up this week we've got our catch up, we've got some gaming news, sort of, it's been a slow news week, but we've got some stuff to talk about, so... You know, it is what it is. <laughs> and then we round out the episode with part two of Mass Effect 3 in Completionist Corner. Now that is something I've been excited to get back into. Yeah, some shit went down this week, guys. Different paths might arise. We will see. All that to come. But first, let's hit them socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on X by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on X, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on X at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash mr bames underscore tpm so will it's catch-up time what have you been playing this week man uh, so this week i've actually jumped back into uh the finals oh very nice it's a game that i've been playing quite a little bit since christmas i'm gutted because i did miss the window to claim your santa claus hat so i'll have to wait till next year for that unfortunately guided but after jumping back in in the new year um i've grown a little bit tired of playing with the heavy class it seems like a very safe class to play as because as I've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast, uh, they have quite a bit more health than all of the other classes in the game. They've got some pretty strong guns as well to back that up. And they've got a whole range of defensive capabilities as well. They've got like a, a mesh shield that you can deploy in front of you. It's very large and your teammates can hide behind it and shoot through it towards enemies as well. It's the ultimate tank. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You are limited because you can't shoot while you're pulling out the mesh shield, but if you've got teammates that are hiding behind you, you can really do a strong push towards the objectives in this game. But you're bored of that life. You wanted something different. What did you go for? So uh, I kind of, I'm slowly grading myself down. So I went to the medium class initially. This one actually is equipped with uh, healing beams and defibrillators. That sounds more up your street, to be Absolutely. fair. Absolutely. I do really like to play a medic class in the game, and it's a very strong class to play as, because reviving your teammates, when you do defib them, they only come back with half their health. Makes sense. But you also have the healing beam to then very quickly heal them. And a lot of the time you'll be focusing your efforts on healing the heavy in the game, who has the highest damage output and the most staying power. And I've actually been using that to capture objectives with amazing effect, where one of us has just been playing as a heavy class, and whilst flames are pouring, whilst gas is coming in, whilst explosions are happening all around the heavy, I'm actually able to use my healing gun to kind of outheal it all and steal objectives in an environment where if you were playing as any other class and not being healed, you just wouldn't be able to capture the objective. You would have to wait or figure out a way to disperse the gas and the flames and things like that. Oh, nice. So, so just quickly on that. So there's the healing beam like you shoot it as someone, they instantly heal like a quarter of their health, say. No, it's it's much more like the Team Fortress where things where they'll just gradually heal their health slowly. Okay. So it's not OP, basically, is what I'm getting at. It's not OP, but I believe you can actually stack healing beams. That's so cool. if you were to, say, have two medics constantly healing a heavy class, I'd really like to see the capabilities of that. That's something I've yet to get to try. 
but I have seen a couple of videos on the internet of that being used to really good effect in exactly the kind of situation I was describing before. If it stacks, that's incredibly powerful. Yeah. <laughs> if you can dual heal the heavy class in the game, they can withstand being backstabbed, being attacked by melee attacks, getting shot, gassed, all of it. No crit. Uh, there is a crit on the backstab. No, as in like, you just, it would be no crit. You'd just be getting healed before the crit could take you out. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. The only way to kind of counter that would be to be attacking the medic classes. And if you're able to do all of that, I would say that you're definitely deserve the win over that but out healing a heavy being powered by two medics seems like really powerful stuff yeah um also with the medium class you get turrets in the game which are quite fun i've been able to deploy them they work a little bit like the turrets in borderlands where you can deploy them on any surface ceilings walls floors but you can also deploy them on objects in the game that you can then pick up using telekinesis so you can stack a turret on a bin and then hide behind the bin while your turret does the work for you which is a pretty interesting approach. Nice, nice. Portable cover, everyone loves that. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, you can kind of do that through your own kind of creative means in the game. But uh, you can only play one class for so long, and before long I was tempted to check out the light class in the game, and they're a class that I haven't had as much time to practice with, but they are very fast, very agile, and a lot of their abilities are based around movement and climbing things and scaling things very quickly. Fair play. And what's their damage output like? If Presumably they can't have big heavy weapons. The damage output is actually still relatively strong, provided that you are getting headshots. One of the main weapons that you get is a M11 Uzi, and you could use that to really good effect in conjunction with some of your mobile abilities as well. So I got a little bit of a taste with the mobility in the game through playing as the medium class because they come equipped with jump pads that they can place down on the ground. But when you play as the light class, you come with a grappling hook that you could use to latch onto anything and swing around. Or you can choose to get an evasive dash, which can be stacked up to two or three times, I think. In that motion, you will just dash wherever you're looking. So you can use it to just zip straight up into the air as well and combine those dashes together so you are extremely mobile. Like Pikachu and Smash. Pretty much, yeah. You've got that kind of zip ability, yeah, minus the kind of electric attack with it. But it's really cool stuff. Yeah, that does sound cool. You can probably do some really interesting maneuvers with that as well. Well, exactly that. When you're taking on a heavy class as a light class, there are so many approaches that are just going to get you killed. The only way to really manage a situation like that is to go in like a mosquito, take off a few zips with your Uzi, maybe dash out a window, go back downstairs, rinse and repeat. You want to kind of be getting behind enemies at all points because you are so fragile as a light class. You're just not going to withstand the fire of a heavy class Lewis gun for very long. And it's very much a game of cat and mouse, uh, and you are definitely the mouse in that scenario. You've got to kind of outsmart the cat and uh, use your mobility in order to kind of outsmart and outmaneuver the other slower opponents. Yeah, and hope that there's not a second cat. Exactly, exactly. Sometimes there's a second cat, uh, a lot of the time I've noticed there's whole teams of mouses that will go in there with samurai swords <laughs> and just absolutely slay because that's another one of the weapons that you get as a light class. You also get kind of like a scout sniper rifle, which is another fun weapon to get into. A lot of the gameplay that I play in this game is typically very kind of medium to close range, and I avoid that long range situations a lot of the time. I imagine you wouldn't want to in in the finals. From what you've said about it, it seems like the traversal maneuvers are so good and the destructible environments too. Well, I mean, that is the case, but with the light class as well, you can also use your maneuverability to secure really good sniping positions that would be more difficult to get to as other players. That's true. And... Although your abilities are somewhat lessened, if you're quite a conservative player and you don't want to risk getting shot, 
Provided you're getting those headshots, you can definitely lend towards your team capturing an objective, provided you're smart enough with where you're picking your sniper spots. Yeah, you don't want to be somewhere like so far away that you can't go help, but equally you don't want to be somewhere so obvious that you just get killed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and with things like a grappling hook, the potential for getting trick shots is just unparalleled. Yeah, I bet. I bet there's some crazy people out there that have done some nonsense with that. Grappling hook, 360 no scope, backflip. Of course, of course. Through a window. Naturally. Really fun game, man. Uh, I'm kind of slowly working my way through all the classes. I think I'll continue to dabble with all three of them, but I'm slowly unlocking the abilities in the game as well, having a really fun time with it. And if anyone hasn't given it a go yet, it's a free-to-play game, so couldn't recommend this enough. But that's me for this week, man. What about you? This week, man, I was inspired by one of our news stories last week. Oh, really? Yes. Because uh, we were talking about Tetris. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought it would be fun to jump back into Tetris Effect and just f*** around. Set a new line world record or anything like that? I mean, I don't think so. <laughs> Can you remember your highest score in the game? Oh, no, dude. My scores were atrocious because... Um, Go on, man. Lay it out there. I wasn't doing endless mode or anything like that. I was trying to do the quote-unquote campaign on Expert. There's a Tetris campaign out there. Does it give you set blocks? It's no longer randomised blocks? No, 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 it's Tetris, right? But it's basically a way that they can disguise the fact that there's so many custom tracks made for this game. They just want you to hear all the tracks. Okay, okay. So there's like this like Constellation Star System type thing and you play through, let's say, four levels and then there's a quote-unquote boss level. But it's not a boss level, it's just like a harder level at the end of the set and you go through like six of them maybe seven it's really cool it's really fun but it is just tetris but then your line how it ended like let's say it's get to 50 lines when you get to 50 lines whatever you had left on the board will stay on the board for the next bit as well so it's kind of like it's constant okay but on expert mode uh i am not as good as i am on normal mode what does expert mode do does it just increase the default block drop rate or what happens speed basically it's um the way the game works is you play Tetris and then every after a certain amount of lines the song will switch up and like the tempo will either increase or decrease normally and that gives it an excuse to drop Tetraminos quicker. Um, and on Expert it just starts off quicker and then at various points we'll just get like instant. Fine, okay, okay. Um, so it's uh, quite hard to do when you're tired of an evening. But, you know, I found myself enjoying it. I was getting through them. Sometimes I'd fail and then have to restart that bit but I didn't have to restart from the start of the set which was nice so oh, they have checkpoints in tetris now yeah. as well wow there you go so yeah so it was just good time but uh yeah because we were talking about it i just thought it'd be fun to jump in and then i was sort of hovering over dragon age origins all oh, right okay i was hovering over it because obviously we've been playing mass effect and so it's like oh man yeah bioware rpgs where the story carries through to multiple games are really good maybe i should play dragon age origins got it installed like went in, did the settings and all that, but then I haven't started a character. I was just like hovering because I don't think in good conscience I can start a new RPG while I still haven't finished Baldur's Gate. Yeah, I think that that's a fair point to make, yeah. Baldur's Gate is kind of like in a realm of its own in terms of it's not just an RPG, it's very much like a, a digital tabletop game as well. But it is expansive, and before you get into another expansive RPG, uh, yeah. No, fair point, fair point. Yeah, it's just... Because if I play the first one, I'll then want to do two. And then Inquisition, I've never finished. So that'd be quite... But no, I, I need to finish Baldur's Gate 3 before I get into another big RPG. You've got to stay strong, man. Got to do it. I haven't played yet this year, but uh, I will be getting onto that at some point for sure. I need to need to get it done. George is kicking me because he's like, oh man, I need to talk to someone about it. <laughs> yeah. <So> I, <laughs> it won a bunch of awards, but I'd be interested to know in terms of numbers, uh, sort of... 
I, there aren't many people I know that have actually played it. George is the only one I know, I think, and he's played and finished it, and I think he's started again. <laughs> All right, okay. Well, a fair play to him. I, I take it George is the type of person that would start a game and just follow it through all the way to the end. He's the antithesis of me in that regard. Whereas I'll start a character again like four or five times before I'm happy. George does his character and then, yeah, just Sticks goes with through. it all the way through. Just does right. it. Every single game. I respect it immensely, but I just can't do that. So I can imagine that he's got a bunch of content or different outcomes to find out what happens as well. So that's going to be a really fun playthrough for him. So, so much fun, but just uh, hundreds of hours. That's the only problem. Well, if you say problem, it's not a problem, but it's, yeah, it's a big game. But that is about it for my catch up this week, man. So I think it's about time we move on to what we will generously call some news. <laughs> so our first story this week, at Best Buy in Canada, we have had a PlayStation 5 DualSense version 2 listed, apparently with improved battery life. Yay! So the PS5 controller was initially released to large fanfare given the list of features that it had compared to other offerings on the market, including, but not limited to, its adaptive triggers and haptic feedback. The biggest drawback of many of these features is that it caned the battery life, particularly if all of these features are being used at the same time. Yeah, I mean, the old PS4 controller didn't have the best battery life, and uh, it didn't seem like the PS5 one was going to fare any better. Apparently six hours. I, it's... Is that realistic? Six hours? <laughs> I saw I my PS4 ones lasted like three and a half, four. I know that in fairness, they are, they're old. But also, as far as I know, you don't actually use vibration on the controllers. And I, no, I figured that would also consume a fair bit of the battery life, making that happen every so often. Yeah, very odd. Yeah, I think I would probably say about four, four hours on average, my PS4 controllers were lasting for, yeah. So with all these additional features for the PS5 one, that was kind of like, it was on the cards, really. Well, don't worry, Will, we have good news that hopefully addresses these issues. <laughs> I wasn't that worried, James. I don't have a PS5. <laughs> yeah, not away, mate. But good news to listeners with a PS5. <laughs> so according to an article from The Gamer, Best Buy in Canada has listed a DualSense controller version 2, despite there being no official announcement from PlayStation that it is in the works. The specs are pretty similar to the original offering, with two key differences. Firstly, it will come with a charging station as standard, and this was only previously a buyable peripheral. That's quite cool. Yeah, yeah. It kind of always seemed a bit sucky that they only provided you with one shitty cable to charge your controllers. Yeah, a bit harsh, but they're addressing that. But secondly, and perhaps most importantly, this new controller will now have a 12-hour battery life, which, if you believe six hours, is twice that of the current controller. Oh, damn. But 12-hour battery life. That's what I'm talking about. That's actually much better. That's, that's good, right? If they can do that. So, yeah, I mean, if this listing is to believe, it will also sell at the same price as the original controller, which is pretty great stuff as well. Yeah, at least they haven't tried to take this in some sort of, like, elite version, and they've continued manufacturing the old controller. Good that they've kind of taken this forward as standard by now. Yeah, exactly. Although, great though this all sounds, and as you can tell, we're so excited about this, but we do have to give it the usual caveats. You know, without an official announcement from Sony, you've got to take everything with a pinch of salt. But if true, great news. And uh, if that 12-hour battery life is achieved, that, that to me would be quite groundbreaking in a controller. That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> yes. Yes. <Yeah. laughs> great. That's that story. <laughs> So with our second story today, after less than a year, Mojang is pulling support for Minecraft Legends. 
a game that I don't think either of us have played. I've long dreaded this day, James. I've long dreaded this day. I know. No, I did uh, I did actually play this game. Oh, you have uh, actually played once. this game? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. That's, that gives this a lot more content than I thought initially it was going to have. So that's, uh, that's good. Okay, we'll see. So quoting an article from The Gamer once again, Minecraft Legends was released in April last year so April 2023, and while it didn't blow anyone away, it was a neat little strategy game that complemented the Minecraft series fairly well by offering a different experience for long-time fans. However, it seems as though it may not have had the staying power that Mojang wanted it to have, as the studio has announced that the title won't be getting any more content updates after less than a year on store shelves. This was announced via a blog post on the official Minecraft website stating that the game has been improved and tweaked enough thanks to feedback from players and that the studio will be taking a step back from development. <laughs> Alright, that's generous. Yeah, it's nice of them, isn't it? <laughs> Mojang goes on to explain that no more new content will be added following the Snow vs Snouts update and that the version of Minecraft Legends we now have is the one we're stuck with. What a pity. This perhaps isn't the most surprising news given that the game seems to have very little hype around it, at least as far as I could see, and as I said before, I haven't played it, so I can't really comment on that. Um, but given Minecraft is one of the biggest IPs out there, it's perhaps a little surprising the game isn't receiving more content only a year after it's released, or not even a year after it's released. And if it's a strategy game, I would have thought new content was a fairly sort of key thing. Yeah. Well, don't worry about that, James, because it's not a strategy game at all. Is it not? <laughs> so, to my oh. memory, no. I mean, like, there, there might be perhaps some strategy that you could, like, squeeze out of this thing, but... It, it plays a lot like a very simple 3D action game in the sense that you're just controlling your character with one stick, moving a lot of your attacks with the other. You can cast basic spells, but I guess in a weird way, you can almost compare its gameplay a little bit to like a very simple Diablo game. Right. Like a modern Diablo game in that sense. It feels a little bit like you're playing a, a modern Diablo game without the online capabilities I'm talking. When I say modern, I kind of mean more like Diablo 3, I guess, uh, <laughs> to try and paint a picture of it. It's, it's, it's like Diablo set in the Minecraft universe. Essentially, you have attacks, powers, magic. Uh, you can equip your character with equipment. It's it's just that, but with a Minecraft skin. Is that not Minecraft Dungeons? Or have I made that up? Oh, God damn it. Is that a thing? I I, I don't know, is I've it? I've played Dungeons. Is, is, that, is Minecraft Dungeons a thing? Because if it is, I've played that one. I thought this was something different, Minecraft Legends. Yeah, no, I haven't played this one. No, I don't know what the f*** this one's about. God damn it. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, in that case, this whole article actually makes uh, a whole lot of sense, given that I didn't even really... I, I did know of this one's existence. I just ignored it and confused it with dungeons. That's better than me. I didn't know of its existence. Unless we covered it and I've just forgotten. So, uh, moving on to the next article, I guess. <laughs> and with our final story this week, uh, one for Will, I thought. An upcoming horror game has serious PS1 Resident Evil vibes, Will, and uh, although it says upcoming, that's a little bit not true, because it's already out. Right, on okay. Certain, on certain platforms. But it's it's a new game though, right, James? It's newly out. Uh, you know, 2021, 2020. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. So only, th only three years ago. <laughs> but. Right. But it's this is a, the worst news week ever. I know, man. It's, this is going crazy. down record as the worst news week. Yeah, full disclosure. Like I could, I couldn't find anything exciting <laughs> that happened this week. Now, also full disclosure, we're recording this on a Thursday, so if something like deep happens on a Friday, don't hate us. Oh my god. Okay. You, yeah, yeah. You just, you just have to wait a week for the news. 
just turn off your internet. Don't bother with any other games news sources. Just wait a week for us. And then, uh, well, obviously turn on your internet again to listen to us. And then turn it back off again. And then uh, just wait for the wait for the week. It's, it's not a big thing to ask. Simples. Getting us back on track with this, as reported by GameRant, upcoming release Eliza, the developer's cut, looks to be a nostalgic reminder of PlayStation 1 horror games Silent Hill and Resident Evil. Right up your street, Will. Yeah, so I did actually check out some of the footage uh, of this game before the podcast, and I've got to say, it's it's definitely very apt to say that it has some serious Resident Evil vibes. It, it definitely does. Yeah, the way the character moves and even the gunshots and stuff, the animation is very similar. Yeah, the choice of camera angles being fixed as well and the way that they're positioned in the corridors. It looks very much like it controls almost identically to Resident Evil uh, in terms of the tank controls. As you say, the way that the character moves... Uh, and the mechanics that I was able to glean from the trailer, it all looks very, very similar to an original Resident Evil game on the PlayStation 1. Yes, I agree from the trailer I saw as well. So in said trailer released on YouTube, Eliza the Developer's Cut has confirmed that it will be releasing on Xbox, Switch, PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 on the 6th of February 2024. The game's premise is that Eliza, the titular character, is whisked away to a Victorian-style mansion populated by mechanised monstrosities and creepy dolls. Big mansion, also Resident Evil vibes, right? Yeah, the setting looks very familiar. There were honestly shots of the game that looked like it had been straight out of Resident Evil with a model swap. The trailer shows several scenes which seem to be a fusion of the PlayStation 1's Resident Evil game's locations, setting and feel, just as Will's just said, with the lead character clearly reminiscent of Alice from Alice in Wonderland. Even some of the visual backgrounds are similar to RE1's mansion and corridors, which should take players on a highly familiar yet new experience. The last shot in the trailer even emulates uh, RE1's first zombie encounter. That's true, I had clocked that. Yeah, the kind of zombie stepping up and turning its head to face the character slowly. Yeah, I'm all about this. It definitely looks like some of the enemies in the game, though, differ greatly from Resident Evil stuff. There's some really corny enemies at some points. I saw, like, a crazy killer clown and some really interesting twisted enemy designs that look more like Silent Hill enemies as well. The way that they move is a lot creepier. Yeah, I saw one that looked like Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Yeah, there like, was definitely like, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kind of a, like a tentacle monster sort of thing. Yeah, underwater people. But there's also, like, a giant head being wheeled around and what looked like kind of uh, like small things on tricycles as well seem to be chasing the character. It looked like there's some fast-moving enemies, a good mixture of things. I was just impressed to see just how much variation in terms of the overall enemy designs that there were packed into that one trailer. We saw loads. Well, you can pick it up now on PC, Will, because it came out in 2021 on PC, as we mentioned at the start. <laughs> right. Yeah, I wish I'd have known about this game. And uh, due to the positive reviews and nostalgia hits from this release, the developer's cut is now due to release on multiple platforms. Oh, there we go. We're getting the extended edition, maybe. Is that on PC? The director's the cut. Yeah, director's cut. Yeah, I'll take it. So that's the one that's coming to all the consoles I mentioned earlier. So at the moment, it's just PC, but it's now going to come to all the consoles so everyone can enjoy this game. Nice one, man. I'm looking forward to checking this one out a little bit more. It's definitely got my attention. And there we go. At least one of the news stories hit this week. For me, at least. <laughs> for, yeah, for Will, at least. We hope you enjoyed it too. But that does bring us to the end of the news for this week. So I think it's about time we moved on to Completionist Corner. Here we go for the Completionist's Corner. pick up our tale back on the Normandy, having just evacuated the new Turian Primarch, Adrian Victus, from a moon of the Turian home planet, Palavan. 
We convinced Victus to chair a war summit to try and get all of the council races to assist us in our fight against the Reapers, however Victus only agreed to do so if we could convince the Krogan to join the fight against the Reapers on Palavan, a tall order given the years of racial tension between the Krogan and the Turians. Being Shepherd, we agreed to this seemingly impossible task before heading to the comms room to keep Alliance Command in the loop. Whilst in the comms room, we are contacted by the Asari Counselor, who states that if the Krogan are going to be involved, then the Asari will not take part in the war summit as it is doomed to fail. Way to stay optimistic, Asaris. Jesus. Before having a chance to begin the peacemaking process, Shepard receives a call from Joker over Intercom, stating that ED has gone offline and that we should head down to the AI Corps as a priority. After a brief chat with Engineer Adams, Chief Engineer aboard the Normandy, and our resident doctor, Shepard enters the AI Corps, only to be greeted by the sight of our silver-skinned Dommy Mummy back alive and kicking. However, this is no longer Dr. Eva Corps, i.e. a threat, is none other than Edie, the Normandy's AI, who has taken control of the body so that she can accompany us on our missions if called upon. See, we told you we'd need to keep the body. And if you thought we were being filthy, Shame on you! With Edie now suited up and the Normandy back online, Shepard and the crew head to the Anos Basin to take part in the war summit. The Normandy rendezvous with a number of diplomat ships from various races, and it is decided that the summit should take place on the Normandy as it represents neutral ground. So dressed our best to impress, our ship holds a summit between Primarch Victus of the Turians, the Salarian Dalatras, and the leader of the Krogan, none other than our old running mate Erdnot Rex. And he is alive in both of ours. He's one of the few characters that made it through. On he both did make games. it through. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he could have died in the first game or not. Yeah, you can. You know, when you have an argument with him on Vermeer. Oh right. You can, okay. you can kill him. Right. Okay. Yeah, I definitely didn't do that. Good, because Rex is great, and uh, Rex's terms are simple: cure the Genophage, and the Krogan will aid the Turians as well as join our battle against the Reapers. The Salarian Dalatras finds this suggestion absurd, referencing the Krogan Rebellion as reason not to do this, but Shepard agrees to the terms, much to the Salarian's chagrin. During the summit, Rex also brings forward evidence that the Salarians are holding some female Krogan who survived Malon's experiments during the events of Mass Effect 2, meaning that a cure for the Genophage may be closer than initially expected. With this news, everyone except the Salarian Dalatras leaves the summit to go and collect the surviving female Krogan from a facility of the Salarian planet of Sirkesh. The Dalatras protests, but it falls on deaf ears. At least in James's case. Uh, and at this point in the game, there is an option to do a bit of a renegade interrupt here during the cutscene. You mostly just kind of shout at her and just tell <laughs> her that, uh, you know, that she's wicked. That's that's about it. Yeah, there, there really isn't much more to it than that. Uh, so uh, Gillian didn't get like Super Larry and shoot her in the arm or something. So I pull out my gun. <laughs> no, unfortunately, uh, there wasn't an option to pull out my gun and start blasting. Kind of, kind of a little bit disappointed with the amount of opportunities this game is providing me to do that. Actually, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot in side quests and stuff that I've seen. And I'm like, oh, I want to press you. <laughs> oh, I want to press you in some of them. Right, I'll have to get into it later. So there are more coming. There's more coming. There's definitely one coming for you. I know that. As we approach the facility on Sir Kesh, there is confusion as our Kodiak shuttle is denied landing privileges. Rex, who naturally distrusts all Solarians given their role in creating the Genophage, decides to jump out of the shuttle to clear the landing docks himself. Before all hell can break loose, a Solarian called Paddock Wicks runs out to quell the tension and inform us that they have only just received the instructions to allow us to land, this being a secret facility. They ask that Shepard calms Rex down and says that we may enter the facility to collect the Femen Krogan, although Rex must stay under surveillance. Rex reluctantly agrees and Shepard is given permission to head deeper into the facility. 
And this was where I think we're going to have the first of our sort of diverging pathways to discuss, I think. Because if I remember correctly from Mass Effect 1, when we were on Vermeer, Major Kirahi didn't survive, did he? The Salarian who helped us out against the Saren's troops. No, 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 no. He definitely didn't make it into Mass Effect 3 for me. So uh, this is probably one character that I definitely didn't get to meet again. Yeah, and... and- it was a cool callback. I, I love this sort of this sort of thing in Bioware games. Hence why I was hovering over Dragon Age Origins from the catch up. And uh, it was cool that Kirahi comes back, and it really worked with the setting. We're in a sort of Solarian secret facility where they like test experimental weapons and do crazy. Sh- and it was nice. You just get some cutscene, like in some dialogue, where you catch up with him a little bit, and then he leans into you at the end and goes, "Whatever the Solarians do, I'll fight with you." And you get him as a war asset. It's quite nice. All right. Okay. Yeah. But it doesn't change the game at all. It's just a nice touch. No, I've noticed the war asset system in this game is all of it. Really, is just a nod back to shit you've done throughout the previous couple of games and law friendly stuff as well. Yeah. With like yeah, just the armies of what various races would have and things like that. Mm. And uh, the other thing that. I think is going to be different because of how Mass Effect 2 went for the pair of us is that when I went into the bowels of the facility to go collect the female Krogan, I was greeted by Morden Solus, who was one of our companions from Mass Effect 2, the Salarian, and, and he's awesome. I think he's great. But I don't think he survived for you, did he? No, Morden didn't survive the uh, the suicide mission, unfortunately, uh, which meant that I was actually throughout this section accompanied by uh, the Salarian who greeted us, Paddock Wilkes. And he's a, a researcher, basically, that's been working on the base. Fair. I was wondering if it might be Malin, but then you probably killed Malin in Mass Effect I too. did. Yeah. <laughs> Destroyed his research, killed him. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing that Paddock is just a complete Morden swap out then, because it turns out that um, the evidence that Rex had for the Salarians getting their hands on the Krogan, in my case, it was Morden that had provided it. So I'm guessing that uh, your mole, as it were, is going to be um, Paddock. Pretty much, yeah, absolutely. And, and you can actually have a little conversation with Paddock as well about Morden. They talk about a time that they got drunk and started having a fight. That's that's cool, actually. That's cool <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have as funny a cadence as Morden though, so I can't imagine that he's as fun. But... No, and he seems kind of. I mean, a lot of Solarians are weirdly pragmatic, but uh, Paddock seems less so than I remember Morden being. God rest his soul. Yeah, you miss him now, don't you? <laughs> F***ing dealing with Paddock Wicks. Well, well, we'll get into that. I, we'll, <laughs> we'll get into that. Okay, say no more. Our mole informs us that only one female Krogan remains alive, with the others all dying at the facility as a result of the trauma from Malon's experiments. We briefly meet the surviving female, known only as Eve at this time, but before we can extract her, alarms start sounding, and we are advised that the facility is under attack from Cerberus. Those damn Cerberus dogs! They're back again to cause more trouble. Our mole decides to stay with Eve and escort her pod to the landing zone at the top of the facility, leaving Shepard and the crew to make their way to various checkpoints to ensure safe passage. During our travels through the facility, Shepard is contacted by Rex, who tells them that they will take the Kodiak and meet us at the landing zone for extraction. There are three checkpoints in all, each with increasing numbers of Cerberus troops to deal with. The first two checkpoints are fairly standard fare, however the third checkpoint is extremely well guarded and finishes off with a fight against an Atlas. Yes, and I don't believe we mentioned Atlases in our last episode, and these are quite notable enemies that we'll be dealing with quite a lot throughout the game so essentially the cerberus atlas is just a giant mech basically yeah 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 with a sort of um glass cab for lack of a better phrase and uh they have a fairly decent sized shield 
like energy shield on them, and then they're just armor. A bunch of thick armor to cut through as well. Which uh, I imagine as a biotic probably isn't quite as easy as it was for me, but I don't know if it gave you a problem given mm, how you were having no that. issue with anything in the games before. Yeah, I, 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 because playing this on hard mode, it might have had a bit more of a tough time, but it wasn't until a bit later on that I actually started having some real struggles. Things like this, I absolutely eat up with the biotic powers. They're really powerful for things like shield and armor. Oh, really? Fair enough. Yeah. I, I didn't know if it'd be that good against armor. Shields, like... It definitely is. I didn't know if it would be good against armor. I'm using the, I think it's called like the dissolve ability or something like oh, that. Oh, you have a dissolve ability. Okay, it's that's cool. Not dissolve, it's uh, you like uh, rip apart the enemy at like an atomic level. And then obviously the uh, Liara's electronic ability to punch through their shields as well. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, for me, it's just quite a simple case of because I'm a sniper, you just aim at the glass and shields go in seconds with right. a sniper rifle and armor's sniper rifles are really good for armor too yeah and then yeah. my main sort of spam ability if you like is incinerate which is designed for armor yes yeah so for me it's no problem but also with the sniper you can probably do with other things but with the sniper rifle if you you can break the glass and then you can just kill the driver and then you can get in the mech so Edie, who i took with me on this mission she comes with incinerate as well and that was also another Another very useful ability for this fight. Yeah, I think uh, Garrus has it because he's an infiltrator as well. All oh, right, okay, yeah. I think he had like flaming shot in Mass Effect 2. Yeah, he's got armor piercing in this one though. Right, okay. Very handy. So with the Atlas destroyed, Shepard is able to escape with Eve, Armol, and Rex and return to the Normandy. Shepard has a brief call with Admiral Hackett who provides an update on the construction of the Crucible, the Protheum Reaper destroying weapon briefly mentioned last week. And apparently things are going quite well. Good to know. Yeah. Is, is that the same for you? I presume it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't recall them saying that things were, you know, any worse than obviously sustaining an alien invasion. But uh, other than that, yeah, not too bad. Sweet as. After speaking to Hackett, Shepard returns to the war room to find Victus and Rex arguing over the terms of their deal. Rex wants the cure to be administered to all Krogan before he will send any forces to Palavan to assist the Turians. Our mole which just for complete clarity in, is Morden in my case, is it still Paddock in your case? It is, yes. Yeah, Paddock is back with us, yeah. Cool. So our mole, who will be assisting with creating the cure, explains how long it will take. Just enough time for us to complete a couple of side quests. He doesn't obviously verbalise it like that, but that's, that's basically the gist of what's going on. And uh, conveniently, we're actually at this point given a side quest by both Victus and Rex, each a task to assist the race of the quest giver. And what I wanted to do here was, because I, I don't know which quests you will have picked at this point. So the quests that you get are essentially Rex has a lost team, you have to go find them. And Victus's is, I've got a lost team and you've got to go find them. That's essentially what goes down in those missions. Pretty much, yeah. I would like to know what missions you did between these, because I think that you have to do two quests and then you get the chance to move on with the story but I, we spoke before the pod and you said that you thought it might even have only been one quest yeah i only recall doing the one which quest did you do because you can i believe do any side quest you don't have to do one of these two quests or anything like that i think you just have to hand in a quest or two so i'm just curious which which one did you do uh so i actually went ahead and did the krogan quest here which takes you to a planet uh, where they mentioned the return of the Rachni. Yes, I did this one too, so we can both talk about it. That's good. Brilliant, yeah. 
So my choice in the previous game actually led me to eradicate any chances of the Rachni coming back. So this was all big news to me that there were signs of another Rachni uprising. Yeah, you burnt the Queen in a vat of acid, didn't you? Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> yeah, you might have done. Just a touch, just a, eradicated just a, a, a species. They're evil spiders, James. Like, I'm not going to feel bad about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fair, man. That's fair. But I've got to say at this point, I definitely felt you can be more evil in Mass Effect 1 and 2. 100% you can be more evil in those two ones. Absolutely. I kind of feel like my character is... Ever since seeing that kid die, Jillian has turned into a real a real wet blanket. More on that, potentially, at the, when we review this whole story at the end of the game. <laughs> So this was a mission uh, where we were working our way through. We met up uh, with a guy in my campaign called Erdnot Dag, who you may well have done in your campaign. Uh, however, he was there. Yeah, he, he might there. have been there. <laughs> yeah. So Erdnot Dag uh, is the leader of the local Krogan clan. However, in James' case, I actually believe that this is Grunt, our buddy from Mass Effect Two, who sadly, uh, like Morden, did not make it past the suicide mission at the end of Mass Effect Two. In my case, yes. No, for me, this was Grunt, my boy from Mass Effect Two, the Rex replacement, essentially. And uh, for me, he had assembled sort of the best warriors from all of the various Krogan clans under his his team, which uh, I can't remember what it's called because I'm useless and didn't write it down. I think it begins with an A. Whatever it is, it's a team of, like, Krogan special ops, basically. Led by Grunt, who's just, like, jokes. Or in my case, led by Erdnot Dag. Yeah, but no one gives a shit about Erdnot Dag. <laughs> Erdnot did his job just fine. He's just a bit of a bellend, mate. Like, Gr Grunt's where it's at, because Grunt's like your son. That's true, yeah, you did hatch him out of an egg on your ship. Yeah. Yeah, well, pod, but yeah. <laughs> an egg pod, yeah. Or a f***ing dag, who gives a shit? Well, I mean, like like I said, he was he was pretty welcoming for a Krogan landing on the no, planet. He's, no, he's alright, to be fair. I'm just, <laughs> just Grunt's bear. It's a shame you didn't get Grunt, because you'll miss out on the cutscene at the end. That's, well, unless Dag does it, I suppose. Yeah, maybe. We'll see, I guess. So, as the game progresses, we get separated from the Krogan team. We end up traversing through lots of underground tunnels, littered with spider webs. Uh, eventually, we actually run into some rachni that have been fused with reapers. And soon commences uh, a large battle of your way through these underground tunnels, fighting these kind of reaper rachni abominations. Spider boys. Spider boys. Before we finally arrive at the chamber of the Queen Rachni who explains that her children are actually have been warped by the Reapers and she doesn't have the hive mind connection with her children that was capable by the Rachni Queen in the first Mass Effect game. Yeah, who, just for the record, was still alive in my one, but had been Reaperfied a little bit. Right, okay. It wasn't the same one, though, was it? Or it wasn't... Yeah, exactly the, the same queen. one, because oh, I, okay. I let the Queen go. Right, right. So I believe that with your one, because you killed the Queen, which is also what I did in my Renegade playthrough when I played it, I think that like the collectors are reaper versions of the protheans sure thing i think it's a reaper version of the rachni rachni queen sorry just completely made from robot whereas mine is like a basically the rachni queen from the first one but with like sarinish adornments yeah, yeah. but she's still got her own mind because they right. couldn't indoctrinate her ah okay okay well, so this one doesn't have... I don't think they were able to indoctrinate fully the uh, Ragnar Queen in my game either, but she did explain that all her children didn't have a connection with her and they were able to indoctrinate her children instead. Yeah, that's exactly the same conversation, I think. Fine, fine. Yeah. Okay. I just get a little bit of added flavour of like, you promised you wouldn't do this. And she's like, I kept my word, but the Reapers found us. And I was like, oh, fair enough. So uh, as the mission rounds off to a close and we're getting down to the final confrontations, I actually decided to save 
this new Rachni Queen abomination and let the Krogan clans meet their demise during the course of this mission. And it seems pretty heartless, but uh, I just figured this was the most kind of chaotic thing to do, was after deciding to end the Ragnar race in the first game, I would decide to team up with a Reaper version of one in Mass Effect 3. I really hope that doesn't come around to bite me in the ass. And did Dag survive? I don't believe he did. No, no, he, I didn't get him or his faction on my uh, war assets, no. Oh man. F in the chat for Dag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rex did say a little something about him when I arrived back on the Normandy, but no, Dag did not make it through. He died well, I think is what Rex said. Fair enough. Well, do you want to know what I did? I assume you went back and saved the Krogan team. You assuming correctly. Oh, well, did you do the same? For the second time in this universe, I saved this Rachni Queen. Right, okay. She's meant to be the last Rachni Queen. I didn't want to exterminate a race. I felt that was more Paragon. Yours yeah, was already dead, sense. so yours was just pure chaos. But in my case, it's like, I'm a Krogan lover, so it was a little bit like, oh man, I know that I'm sending these guys to their death, and Grunt could die as well. Like, oh no, what the f***? Did Grunt survive? Of course Grunt survived. Right, like, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Of course Grunt survived. And what was nice is you then like fight out, and you just sort of get back to the Normandy, and jobs are good, right? In your one, you, got, you probably just jumped straight on the shuttle and went back to the Normandy, I assume? Yeah. Yeah. I got a really cool cutscene where Grunt was like, I'll hold them off, you go. And I, like, you know, saved all my crew and that. And Grunt's there, he's killing all these Rachnides, just killing them all. Like, And then he, like, jumps off a cliff with a bunch of them. Oh, right, okay. And you're like, oh, goddamn, he's Grunt's dead. dead. Yeah. Uh, but then he, just before the shuttle takes off, he's like, he comes out just covered in blood, <laughs> looking knackered, but he's like, yeah, get saved. And uh, Grunt becomes a war asset, but I didn't get any of the rest of the Krogan crew. Same thing as you. And Rex was like, yeah, Grunt survived because he's a badass. And was like, thank you for keeping hold of him sort of thing. Right. So I, I really got no heat from the Krogans for it at all. No, you did well there. I didn't either. I, I definitely didn't let it get back to Rex that I'd abandoned the squad. I just made that decision yeah. in that moment quietly amongst my squad mates. It's all good. Worked out. <laughs> all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm keeping Rex on side, but at this point I'm massively just using them. Whilst simultaneously <laughs> betraying them. Yeah, whereas I'm I'm actually trying to be a friend to the Krogan <laughs> for the most part. And I believe that's the only quest you did before we moved on, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So I'll just very briefly say, because I actually also did the other quest, the Turian quest. Not not as cool necessarily in terms of storyline as what we've just discussed. Like, there was no, like, there is kind of a choice at the end of it. But essentially you just fight your way through, um, you're on Tuchanka. Oh, yeah. And uh, you fight your way through um, loads of... Cerberus and I think it was Cerberus this one it might have been Reaper forces to um, find us a Turian special ops team who were doing something on Tuchanka right turns out it was led by uh, Victus's son oh damn okay and uh, basically the long and short of it is is that uh, years and years ago during their war with the Krogan the Turians had planted a bomb on Tuchanka right Cerberus have uncovered it and they want to detonate it and basically they're there to try and stop it yeah that makes sense yeah yeah being the Paragon guy, you probably don't think that's a good idea. Well, stop it or set it off, right? Oh, okay, so, there's a choice, is there? Excellent. I believe there was a choice, but there was only one choice for Julius, the Paragon. I was going to stop that bomb from destroying Tuchanka, but that's not actually part of this quest. This quest is just like you save them, and then you get a second quest after that, which is go defuse the bomb. Right, okay. And uh, I did that as well. I went and did it straight away, defuse the bomb, and uh, basically what that does is it gives me some more Tyrion support and also means that 
I keep most of my Krogan army at the end because the bomb doesn't go off and destroy half of them. Oh, okay, okay. But uh, I did that straight away because I believe that um, you have a certain amount of time to do it before that bomb goes off. I don't know what it is. It's, it's a number of missions. Could be two, could be three, could be more. I don't know. Fine, fine. But I just thought, bomb, I'm going to do get this straight away. Yeah. But I'd actually gotten the cutscene that we're about to talk about before that. I just did that before going and doing the mission that we're about to discuss. Right, sure thing. After completing our side quests, our mole, either Mordin or Paddock, comes to talk to Shepard on the Normandy. He explains that using tissue samples from both Rex and Eve, he has been able to create a cure for the genophage, which we will need to be dispersed across the Krogan home planet of Tachanka. The most effective way to do this will be to use a tower on Tachanka called the Shroud, a tower built by the Salarians way back when to help clean up the atmosphere on Tachanka. Also, uh, side note, it was actually used to initially spread the genophage uh, towards the Krogans as well. So, you know, uh, pretty nefarious of the Salarians there to install something to say that, oh yeah, it's just here to clean up the atmosphere. By the way, we're also uh, preventing your ability to reproduce. Good guys. Just as a, it's a side thing. You can breathe much better, but uh, your race is doomed. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) En route to Tachanka, we learn that a Reaper Guardian is already at the Shroud and is using it to poison the atmosphere. Shepard and their team formulate a plan where Krogan troops, along with Shepard, will attack the Reaper by ground, whilst the Turian Air Force will attack by air, hopefully distracting the Reaper long enough for Shepard to get to the tower and disperse the cure across the planet. As we are about to leave, Shepard receives an urgent call from the Salarian Dalatras, who explains that when the Shroud was built, the Salarians deliberately tampered with it to ensure that what we are about to attempt could not be done. Very nefarious, just as you said. She offers us significant Salarian support in exchange for us using this knowledge to ensure that the cure is not successful. The call ends, and Shepard joins their crew on the Kodiak to head down to Tuchanka. Just out of interest, Will, because at this point we're actually given a chance to come clean on the uh, shuttle. It gets interrupted. But did you uh, just be like, nah, because you're a renegade? Yeah, I, I just kind of palmed off. Shepard is staring there, looking a bit troubled, and uh, you're offered uh, to come clean right then and there. And I just said, oh, I'm just thinking about the stuff back on Earth. You know, it's, it's a tough time. I definitely didn't mention that there was any sort of sabotage about to happen uh, or anything like that. And at this point, I was pretty committed to following Dalatras's plans to sabotage the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's for you. Yeah. That's not how I went about it, but uh, no. I don't know if it's the same anyone. My option was to come clean, but I didn't actually get a chance to say anything because then the, sh- the shuttle got like attacked. And then we started landing, so nothing actually happened of it, but just interested there. Um, and as I say, as soon as we landed, Reaper forces began attacking our team, but between us and the squads of Krogan we're rolling with, these husks didn't stand a chance. It was just it was a bloodbath, it really was. A biotic bloodbath, in my case. We begin travelling in a large Krogan land vehicle called a Tomka towards the Shroud, and at this point we are prompted to either reveal the sabotage, allowing our mole to adjust the cure, or keep Stum pretty much ensuring that the cure will fail. And at this point I did choose to come clean and I was able to come clean, and Morden was like, I'll adjust my calculations, and Rex and Eve were like, you the best. You're just sure the thing. Best. Right, okay, okay. What happened with you? Well, again, I just uh, deflected and said that I wasn't preoccupied with anything. And uh, just let the thing play out. You were just like, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, how could you do that to Rex? For all, all, for all you guys have been through <laughs> together, how could you do that? Like I said, I'm, I'm just playing the the worst, the bad guy in all these situations. I'm playing like a goddamn psychopath, uh, just to see what happens. Yeah, where this game allows you to, anyway. Eventually, our convoy is stopped by a blown-out bridge, meaning that we'll have to continue the journey on foot. 
Before we can set off, however, the convoy is attacked and Shepard orders that Eve be moved to safety. Rex obliges by taking her away in a Tomka, whilst Shepard and their team head underground into some catacombs, which are later revealed to be the ruins of an ancient Krogan city. Quite a cool like place, this. Nice yeah. and dark, using lots of torchlight and stuff. So in this section, they were really trying to tug at the heartstrings. They even insinuated that the Krogans had a lot more culture, and at some point they'd gone through something akin to the Dark Age, and they'd actually kind of lost uh, a lot of skills and things like that. I'm not quite sure whether it ever gets explained why, but the Krogan used to be a lot less warmongering, aggressive race, and they had a lot more culture. And uh, yeah, they were kind of insinuating that the society was very different to what it resembles now. And maybe all these people accusing the Krogans of just being this hyper-violent race, um, maybe there's a good reason for that that we've yeah, yet to explore. Yeah, the genophage, explore. it turns yeah, out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the genophage, is it? I suspected that I might think be so. the case. Not only did the genophage stop their ability to reproduce, it also devolved their society. Well, pretty much, because what happened was in Tuchanka, like the genophage happened and they couldn't breed anymore, so they all just got really pissed off and started attacking each other. Right, okay. And all the clans started nuking each other. I think they were fighting over um, fertile females, right? Right, the okay. I think that's what it is. I could be wrong. But I was getting the same sort of tugging at the heartstrings styley at this point. Yeah, I mean, they don't they don't necessarily... No one's calling you out for my secret plans to, to oh, yeah. sabotage it. And no one's calling me out because I'm a legend. And you're not going to do it. <laughs> you're not going to sabotage it. I told them exactly what was going to happen. So whilst travelling through these ruins, we are attacked by a number of Reaper enemies, including Ravagers, which are Reaper-controlled Rachni, as I mentioned before, along with the usual assortment of husks, cannibals, and brutes. Various dialogues throughout also explain how these ancient ruins are home to the mother of all Thresher Moors, Kalros. Beast Kalros. And uh, Thresher Moors are like these kind of giant sand snakes, I guess. Sand worms. Uh, Kalros being these, the These most people giant. know. They listen to the Mass Effect 2 rundown. <laughs> they know where Thresher Moor is. Well, I mean, so imagine our regular Thresher Moor. Kalros is the biggest of them all. Yeah, bigger than the one we fought into. Like, significantly bigger. And that one was big. 100%. Eventually, Shepard's squad make it back out into the open, only to be greeted by the sight of the Tomka convoy being chased off by Kalros. Quite fun, just jumping in and out of the sand. You can hear Rex inside the Tomka convoy sort of uh, taunting it at that point. Yeah, very funny. Uh, but, but I think uh, the uh, Kalros does eventually get his brother Reeve, though. Sad times. But Reeve was kind of a bellend, so it's kind of alright. The squad soldiers on and eventually makes it to the foot of the Shroud, which it turns out has been built atop the ruins of an old Krogan battle arena. Getting to the Shroud will be no easy feat given the Reaper Guardian is still guarding the entrance and now knows that we're here. The Krogan ground team and the Turian Air Force distract the Reaper for long enough to give Shepard and their squad enough time to advance into the arena where they decide the best course of action will be to summon Kalros to the arena using ancient Krogan Moorhammers. So convenient once again. Ah, video games. Gotta love them. Shepard fights their way through waves of Reaper troops, but is eventually able to activate both Moorhammers. This was a bit that I got really, really badly stuck on. Really? I was dying for ages to this bit, because I didn't understand that the shadow that appears on the ground, I didn't see the shadow at first. So I was just running around wondering why I was dying all the time, and I thought it was something to do. I kept on looking up at uh, the Reaper craft, trying to avoid its legs as they come smashing down into the ground. And I was trying to almost outmaneuver it because if I noticed that if it raised its right leg, then its left leg was planted, meaning that if I ran to its left leg, it wasn't about to crush me. 
And it actually worked to some success. I, I did have some success with that plan. But eventually, after so many deaths, I finally spotted that the shadow was appearing in the area. And you actually just had to stop running at certain points. I was always running too far in without stopping and just dying so repeatedly in this section. Fair enough. I uh, am an infiltrator, so I used my tactical invisibility and just sprinted to each hammer. So that is the technique that I did use eventually. Um, I didn't actually need to use invisibility. I just ignored the enemies, ran past them and rang both hammers after I understood what I needed to do with the legs. But I died a bunch on this and... A lot of those deaths weren't even to the enemies in the area that are quite tough. This was just purely down to the Reaper smashing me time after time. Really frustrating. I can imagine, man. But because I was just sprinting, I didn't even see that attack, really. The enemies were, like, there was a lot of them. I'm playing on normal, not hard, so I'm sure it was tougher for you. But there were still, like, brutes, ravagers, all that good oh, yeah, stuff yeah, kicking yeah. about. But I think at one point there was three brutes on my screen. That's right. Yeah, no, it was a similar kind of thing to there. They're just way more deadly, I think, in hard mode. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just uh, very quick this was for me. Yeah, I must have spent like 15, 20 minutes on this section. I understand. I totally do. Because you want to fight, don't you? But nah, just Well, run. that was my first couple of attempts. But then it was it was the dying to the Reaper Claws every time hitting into the ground. Um, that was yeah. the thing that made me stop and decide, you know what? I'm not actually going to even bother trying to fight this. Once I'd figured out the technique. <laughs> Kalros is summoned by the Moorhammers and takes care of the Reaper in short order in a pretty cool cutscene. And this was a pretty cool cutscene. Very uh, cool cutscene. Kind of looked like a, a giant boa constrictor taking on uh, like a large crabby spaceship. Is is how I'll go ahead and describe it. Might be underselling it there. The, the look that on James's face is that I'm perhaps underselling this a little. Oh well, no, it's more that I just don't like that you call them spaceships because <laughs> I don't. They're not spaceships. I mean, they're a race of aliens that resemble. Starships. You actually learn they're not spaceships in one of the DLC in this. So fuck you with your spaceships. <laughs> I mean, Mass Effect literally calls it a starship in their own description of it as well. So, but they wrote this DLC that corrects it. So they retconned it. Well, I don't know. I'm probably still misunderstanding somehow. I think you're just uh, maybe hung up on the semantics of it. I mean, I like, am. Yeah. I don't like the fact that they're called spaceships because it's like a spaceship couldn't do what they do. But either way, cool fight. The resulting fracas damages the shroud, as well as meaning that the mission is now time critical. Shepard and Armol rush to the Shroud, and the consequences of our prior actions, both in this game and the previous two, have a major impact on what happens next. Yes, so please tell me, how did this play out for you? What happened? What went down? So, I met with Paddock. Uh, he clocked that there was an issue that he would need to go into the centre of the base to fix, and I told him, I can't let you do that, Paddock. And at that point, I pulled my gun out, had a bit of a conversation with him, but was unable to convince him to stand down, even though he had a gun pointed at him. He turned his back on me and tried to make his way down, at which point I promptly shot him in the back a few times. Wow, so you did get to be evil in this game, finally. Real villain shit in this one, yeah. Finally got a chance to be evil. And it, it felt pretty satisfying in the sense that I'd been so held back, it felt like, up until this point. So yeah, no, I was actually... Unlike some of the times in my Mass Effect 2 playthrough where I felt pretty guilty about my decisions, I was really kind of basking in this one. <laughs> nice. And then what happened? How did it then play out? Uh, so at that point, I did later on in the game get confirmation that the Genophage was cancelled. It didn't work. It was ineffective. And all the Krogans are kind of around and celebrating. And that was a pretty awkward moment, especially when Rex is thanking you for the... Uh, solving the genophage when you know in reality that it's not going to have any sort of effect. And uh, Dalatras commended me for my actions, and she also told me that she would kind of give me a, a pre-baked lie 
that I could tell in the future when suspicions did arise after the Krogan, you know, hopefully after we defeat the Reapers, then figure out that actually our cure for the genophage didn't work. What happened to Eve? Eve unfortunately died as well uh, due to her sickness and owing to the fact that I destroyed Malon's data and killed Malon previously, uh, that also meant that yeah, she didn't actually make it through the mission, unfortunately. And I was greeted to a fairly long funeral scene uh, where she uh, was incinerated. Yeah, she's very important. I imagine she would be very important to the work around the genophage as well, which I cancelled, so perhaps not so much anymore. Well, she's immune to the genophage, so yeah, she was kind of a big deal. Yeah, especially seeing as, uh, yeah, the genophage is back on and their only hope of uh, curing it is off the cards now. Man, you're a dick. I am a real evil guy, finally. Well, I'll bring it back up, because in my one, it, w- it was Morden, and obviously I'd already told him that, that there was the sabotage thing, so he'd already adjusted his cure for it. Job was a good one, but we had a really touching scene, because Morden realised that the only way he could do it was manually, and he'd have to go up to the top of the tower and do it, which is a one-way trip, because the tower is basically exploding around us by this point. Right, okay. So I have a nice little conversation with Maud and tell him how much that I respect him and how good a mate he was and that I'll miss him. Right, okay, yeah. Goes up in the elevator, sorts it out. Lovely cutscene where you see like the yellow cure go over the shroud before the shroud gets destroyed. So the cure's been dispersed. It's in the atmosphere. And because it's a legit cure, it worked. Eve survived because I did save Malon's data. And uh, basically I got the perfect Krogan ending to that mission which led to me getting a Krogan army in my war assets. I think that totals roughly 750 or 800 points, which is quite a lot. Fair enough, yeah. And um, Eve becomes a wise woman and kind of preaches to unite all the clans. So the Krogan just become like hella powerful. Right, okay. And uh, assuming that we survive the Reaper threat, they will be a problem, like in a good way. They're going to need like a new planet. That was something that they were still pressing for in my playthrough as well, is that uh, Rex did not want to be confined to Chanka anymore. Yeah, well, they wouldn't be able to because they're going to be fucking like rabbits when that <laughs> Particularly in my one. In your one, they're just all going to be still miscarrying and stuff. You know that thing you were reveling in just now? Yeah, 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 absolutely. But uh, to counter that though, Delatras did grant me uh, some rabbits <laughs> of my own. So that was something. I've got some uh, additional Solarian bodies now. That'll back me up. Probably, in hindsight, not as good as the Krogans to have in a gunfight. Salarians are sick, though, to be fair. This battle against the uh, Reapers isn't going to be won by brute force alone, so uh, we'll see. So with uh, Tuchanka now saved, destroyed, or otherwise by Shepard, because uh, presumably in your one, the bomb's going to go off at some point as well. Yeah, I should probably get around to that at some point, yeah. I was actually planning on returning to Tuchanka after that mission and uh, pursuing those other side missions before I started that one. I was kind of in two minds whether I did the side missions first or the main mission. Ended up doing the main mission, and then uh, I'll probably come back for those, if it's possible. Yeah, I, 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 you might have to look at that. I don't know if it's possible. It might be. If not, I guess <laughs> I guess the Krogan race really are doomed. They're about to get blown up as well. Goddamn, what an awful time. It's a bad time to be a Krogan in my playthrough of this Yeah, it game. sucks to be a Krogan. <laughs> oh dear, but with the Tuchanka now complete mess in Will's case, and like completely saved in my one. Uh, Shepard and the crew return to the Normandy to debrief. With the Turian and the Krogan alliance now solidified, we finally have the full support of the Turians in our battle with the Reapers. After debriefing with Admiral Hackett, Garrus tells Shepard that they need to rest after such a gruelling ordeal. And that, dear listeners, is where we'll leave it for this week. Fun time this week. I must say, though, I'm actually a little disappointed that our runs didn't veer off more. I thought there was going to be a bit more difference. Yeah, at this point, it seems to be that we're just kind of having character swaps. 
Uh, and I guess the implied differences are quite large in terms of what will actually eventually become of the universe. However, the immediate repercussions don't seem to be that obvious. No, and I was wondering if you get different cutscenes with people being pissed off at you, and it doesn't sound like you have in most instances, which is a bit of a shame. Not so much. I'm, to be honest with you, I'd be surprised if anyone would dare to be pissed off at Gillian Shepard, uh, given her treatment of her crew members up to this point. <laughs> I mean, she is just looking for any old excuse to jettison you out the airlock. Have you changed your crew makeup in this second week, or are you still sticking with Liara and? Uh, it's a ladies' James. squad. It's Liara and Edie uh, at Edie this point. Now. Yeah, we're sticking with Liara and Edie so far, uh, and my only other two options really are just uh, Garrus and James at this point. There isn't anyone no else fair. to actually recruit. I was kind of well, wondering um, before actually, I put a few bullets in his back. Oh, is is there other content? that I could have done in between, maybe on some side stuff. Can you get Caden back at this point? He sent me an email, but I ignored it. I'm just leaving him in the hospital. It's coming. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, the next mission that we do, um, you'll see Caden again. Sure thing, okay. But there is a mission that is called, it's, confusingly, it's called Priority Eden Prime. So you might think it's the main mission, but it's not. It's DLC. If you do that mission, you get another um, companion. All right. Uh, okay. who, I, who I think you might like. He's a Prothean called Javik. Right, okay, I'll have to go check this one out. Yeah, and he's kind of renegade-y, so... I think I've heard of this character before doing a bit of background research into the whole Mass Effect series, so maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll go check that out. Yeah, I'd never used him before. He's quite fun. But I'm still Garrus and another person, basically. Right, right. <laughs> Garrus and just anyone that'll do. So there wasn't there wasn't any sort of major uh, questions that I wanted to ask, but I did want to find out after last week. Did you try your charged melee attack in the game? Yes, thank you for reminding me, Will. I did try my charged melee attack in the game, and I'm happy to confirm that yours is a specific biotic one. Oh right, okay, cool. So what did you get then? What happens with my one is he charges up his omni blade. All right. And does like almost like a link, hold your sword and then swing through. All right, okay, cool. So it is different. So presumably I've probably got the same as most everyone else now, but unless a soldier just punches you, I don't know. Because I have got an omni tool because I'm an infiltrator. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's just like a hard, heavy punch, I don't know. But I've got like a big sparky blast that sends them flying, which is I've actually found very useful for avoiding getting surrounded by the husks. Yeah, that's a good shout. Mm, Mine doesn't mm. really do that. Does it have knockback? Uh, I'll use it more as a finisher, so I don't know. Yeah, it's very satisfying to finish an enemy with these charged attacks. Exactly, but because I'm a sniper, I don't really get close to people a lot of the time. What I like to do is I like to use my singularity to get them hovering in the air and then use the charged melee attack to send them out of the park. Yeah, that's fair. That sounds jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of ragdolling and sending enemies flying in my playthrough. Excellent. That's what we like to hear. I wish I could do more of that. Leave that to Liara. Yeah. Although, although you know you can take on an additional ability, like a special one that your companions give you when they like you enough. I didn't know that. That's cool. Oh, okay. Well, there's a the thing where you kind of like in Mass Effect 2 where you can take an ability if they like you enough. If you get enough reputation with them. And one of them, I can't remember who is. It might be Javik. His one is like a, a blast of biotic energy. Like it's just like a beam. Sure thing. Kind of like Moonlight Greatsword beam where you... Swing right. at it and it comes out of your hand. That's cool. And uh, that's quite fun. I don't know if I'll convince any of my crew to like me that much in this playthrough. No, maybe Edie, because it sounds like you're gonna you're crushing on Edie a little bit. You're like a little Joker. bit. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, Joker seems to be borderline sexually harassing Edie in all my conversations with him. I feel like that is definitely like a lawsuit waiting to happen. I need to reel him in a little bit. Well, you say that, mate. In my one, they're dating. Oh right. Okay. Oh well. 
maybe that's just because you've interacted with them a little bit more but at the moment it's yeah and i convinced him to ask her out and i told her wow. yeah you should go for it right okay fair enough yeah. <laughs> you remember this moment when the end comes mate <laughs> <laughs> laughing in the face of true love is that what's happening is this the shrek and fiona situation here i don't know i don't want to say anymore spoilers <laughs> and on that note i think that just about rounds off completionist corner for this week and that brings us to the end of the show if you've enjoyed what you've listened to, you can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on X by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on X, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on X at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash mr bames underscore tpm and please do check us out on those social media platforms drop us a like drop us a comment we'd love to hear from you five star ratings if you wouldn't mind it really is the best way to support the channel and it is greatly appreciated thank you to all those who have already done so we respect you guys you're good people yeah i just wanted to say um a really big thanks this week uh, i've noticed uh, a couple extra follows on twitter uh, a couple extra follows on twitch as well it's all hugely appreciated it's one of the best ways to support the podcast. And uh, we thank you very much. And if you'd like to check out how the adventures of Gillian Shepard are progressing in Mass Effect in a more visual format, you can do so over on our YouTube and Twitch channels. So with that, we're at the end of the show. We'll see you next week, everyone. Take care. Goodbye. Bye now. Bye.